0: Rink-wide Vancouver, pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds. Freaks, you know, games make play at Bodog.net. Wadden and JPAD here with you once again. And uh, yeah, no hockey to talk about last night, Jpat. Pat. That was a little odd. No World Hockey Championships anymore. Stanley like Cup playoff doesn't get going until the weekend. But of course, busy month ahead of us as they're at May 31st and June quickly approaching the Cup playoffs will be wrapping up here in a couple of weeks, but the work for the rest of the 30 teams around the NHL is go time right now. So we thought we'd focus in on that with the Canucks. Loved your piece today on the hockey news, just talking about, you know, what constitutes a successful June for the Canucks. Uh, let us know your thoughts on that. We asked the people about it. We'll get into that a little bit later here, but just to you, what does a good June look like for the Vancouver Canucks? Please tell me it's trading OEL. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got on there? <laughs> OEL is definitely at the top of the list there.
1: I like. I am fired up, genuinely fired up that it is the final day of May because, and I don't know if people still have calendars, but if you flip your calendar, June the first, like it is go time. Like you are on the on ramp to things happening in the hockey world, and you're right, the Stanley Cup final still goes on. So there are two teams that are busy that way, but you're seeing lots of teams starting to get down to work. Brad Tree Living introduced as the general manager in Toronto. We've seen other GMs and this plays into the Canucks as well. And one of the things that I mentioned in this hockey news article that I wrote is, all right, for me, what constitutes a successful June? On one level, it's really simple. On another, it ain't simple at all. At the end of the month, if you had a checklist, they need to clear cap space and have a pick in the first round of the NHL draft in Nashville. How that happens, that's up to them, and that's up to the next 28 days or whatever. But if they come through this month, I think bare minimum, if they clear some cap space and they maintain a first-round draft pick, that's going to constitute a pretty successful month of June. I say on one level, easy, because it's a pretty short list. On the other the effort to clear cap space has been, I mean, it's into its second year now. This management group is 18 months on the job, and they've been talking about it since day one. Jim Rutherford talked about that cap cushion that he wanted to create, and here they are back in this corner sill. So, you know, can it get done? This is where they're going to have to get creative. This is where the rubber hits the road. And when I say, you know, Brad been getting introduced in Toronto, like, how does that figure for the Canucks? Well, the Leafs, yeah, they want a playoff round. That's all they did. You've got a new general manager any new general manager. And this year is a different year because a lot of times there are coaching vacancies, but we're seeing a lot of new managers and, and some first-time managers as well around the National Hockey League. You got Daniel Briere in Philadelphia. You got Craig Connery, introduced last week in Toronto. Barry Trotz had been pretty quiet until all of a sudden he pulls the rug out from under John Hines and introduces Andrew Brunette. But Barry Trotz takes over as the general manager of the National Predators. You've got Free Living now in Toronto and... We don't know who's going to be in Pittsburgh. But, I mean, it's just a hockey uh, axiom that when new GMs come in, they want to put their stamp on a team. They want to make changes. They want to signal that they're in charge. So if you're the anchor of Canucks and you have to make trades, you've got some motivated partners out there. Is there a fit? I don't know. But start tomorrow on June 1, tick, tick, tick. You can hear that clock working down to the draft. And the draft is important, too, because that's one of the most fertile uh, environments for for fostering trades in hockey, like it just yeah. it is, and the Canucks are proof of that. The J.T. Miller deal went down on the second day of the draft here in Vancouver in 2019, and two years later, the ill-advised O.E.L. Connor Garland deal took place on draft day as well. So the Canucks are proof that some serious, significant trades can and likely will happen on the draft floor or in the days leading up to the draft, whatever. As I said, like I, I'm genuinely excited because after coming through a pretty quiet month of May where the World Hockey Championship got us through, thankfully, yes. Uh, all of a sudden, like it's getting pretty close to go time now for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Where did you have signing Jet Wu to a one-year, two-way contract on that list of June? Because that just dropped as we recording this right now. Interesting signing there. I know the organization has been high on what they've seen from Jet Wu over the last year wondering perhaps if he could be a replacement for Ethan Bear if perhaps the dollars don't make sense and you know that the dollars have to make sense for the Canucks right now
1: because they ain't got no money they're broke yeah I look I'm not surprised he was a restricted free agent I think a pretty simple deal it's a two-way contract I don't think he's you know, a candidate to start the year at the NHL level. I do know Ryan Johnson was high on the season that he had, a bounce-back season a year ago. He was playing forward for the Abbotsford Canucks. That's right. Uh, this time he was out there late in games, the game I went to, game three against Gallagher. He was out there in nine seconds preserving a victory. Uh, you know, so I, I think he has worked his way back into being a prospect in the system. But the problem is that it's starting to get crowded you know, quantity, quality is still a question, but Philip Peronick on the right side. Ethan Baer, you know, is certainly ahead of Jet Wu on the depth chart. He needs a contract. Tyler Myers is still here. They brought in Cole McWard and got his games late in the season. Philip True. Johansson came over and played in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Noah Julson is still, he needs a contract as well. So I, I don't want to discount what Ryan Johnson said about Jet Wu maybe getting an opportunity to play in the NHL at some point, but I don't see Jet Wu as a legit candidate start the season to crack the, the roster out of training camp, but good on him. And, you know, it's a one year prove it kind of deal for a guy who, again, his career had kind of meandered a little bit, but it looks like he is back, you know, on the path to someday playing in the national hockey league. And could they use a guy that, you know, he's physical, he doesn't take crap from anybody, you know, pretty simple style of play. So, yeah, I mean, good for him. He gets the deal done. But I still think that there's a long way to go for for Jet Wu before he becomes a national hockey leaguer. But, but this is what we're talking about, that we didn't even get to June. And at least we got, you know, some material to work yeah. with. And so there will be more of that. There simply has to be more of that because qualifying offers have to go out. Uh, again, sort of the crux of my article is that if things don't happen in the month of June, and again, like, I I don't want to even go down this path, but if they don't happen in the month of June, if they get to July 1, not only are they going to be relegated to the sidelines in unrestricted free agency, which maybe they were going to be anyhow, because they don't have a lot of cap space, and we know that overpayments happen in that first week of free agency, but the deeper they go into the summer over the cap limit and having to get off contracts, the harder it's going to be because the rest of the league is going to know it. Nobody's going to throw them a lifeline. Oh, you want us to take on some bad contracts so that you can get cap compliant? Here's what it's going to cost, and you're not going to like the bill. So that's why I say June, the draft, that sort of fertile ground for trading, just to me this stuff has to happen and in my article like i i suggest that the month of june 2023 could very well be the most important month of the calendar year for the vancouver canucks because if things don't happen in june then i think they have really really painted themselves into a corner in terms of trying to get better to meet their stated goal of being a playoff team for next year now Some might push back on that statement and say, hey, October is going to be the most important month of the year, at least until November rolls around. (laughs) Maybe it's November, but, but you know, for a team that we know has to get off to a good start, like there's just no other option. They cannot fall behind. Then the work they do in September is going to be important. October, though, certainly stands as an important month. But I also think, like, unless they come out of June with a successful month, then, you know, this has the makings, in my mind, to be the most important month. Of this calendar year for them.
0: The qualifying offer for Ethan Bear is $2.2 million. Does he come in above that or below that, you think, in his next deal?
1: Well, I think on a one year deal, they can probably get him at a fairly manageable dollar figure. He's got arbitration rights, but if you're going to eat up some of his UFA years, then that's going to cost you. And that's the danger here. Um, you know, I was on Donnie and Dolly earlier today, and they talked. It's a good to show. They asked, good they show, asked me about uh, Ethan Bear. And look, Ethan Bear turns 26 in June. That's right in that wheelhouse. They, you know, they want these players that are sort of in that age range. Ethan Bear played 61 games for the Canucks. I think there's a spot in their top six for Ethan Bear. Like I, I like Ethan Bear. Do you like Ethan Bear at 2.5 million dollars, though? Yeah, you know, that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey. And then you have to ask yourself, Ethan Bear at two and a half or Noah Juleson at closer to league minimum. Like, what is the difference? What where are the discernible differences in what those players deliver? Because Ethan Bear, he and Quinn Hughes were the third most common pairing on defense for the Vancouver Canucks. I think it was Hughes and Shen, and then it was O'Well and Myers, I believe. And then Ethan Bear and Quinn Hughes were number three in terms of guys that played minutes together. When Ethan Bear played with Quinn Hughes, like the underlying numbers were good, as you would expect they would be for anybody that played with Quinn Hughes. But just on his own, like Ethan Bear on a bad defensive team, Mostly positive underlying metrics. Like, you know, he held his own. But, you know, I I guess the question, like, what does Ethan Bear do well that separates him from anybody? And I think Ethan Bear does a lot of things reasonably well. But I'm not sure after watching him for 61 games that I could tell you, you know, his absolute calling card that, like, this is what makes Ethan Bear special. I think Ethan Bear is like a lot of guys that can play in the National Hockey League. He skates reasonably well. You know, he transitions the puck. I guess those are sort of his strong suits. Not overly physical. Certainly not a penalty-killing ace, because nobody on this team was. And not much offense. And you know me, that... I just... Imagine if Ethan Bear had an absolute bomb from the point. Like, that was, you know, his separator it'd be nice if anybody on this team had an absolute bomb yeah. And maybe oh, no. Philip Ronick will yeah. sort of yeah. answer that call. But when I look at Ethan Bear, like he had big numbers in Seattle and junior in his last two years there. So, you know, there was some offense there, but lots of guys leave that behind in junior. And the pro game is different, obviously, you know, but is he the right partner for Quinn Hughes? I, I, I don't want to settle. Like, I don't want to think that that's as good as it's ever going to get for Quinn Hughes with all due respect to Ethan Bear, But if you look at the right side, Philip Ronick. Tyler Myers, I think, is here to start the season until that signing bonus is paid out. And then you got Bear. You know, is Bear a third pairing guy? How do you utilize? Like, I think they want to break up the depth, and they're going to have Hughes and Ronick on different pairings. So, do you start the season with Ethan Bear as Quinn Hughes' partner? And if so, that's fine. Again, the underlying numbers were decent, but I don't know that that turbocharges Quinn Hughes. Right? I don't know that that brings out the absolute best in Quinn Hughes, and I don't want this organization to just kind of settle on, oh, well, Ethan Bear can get the job done, so by default, he gets that job. I want them to find the Devontae's to Kale McCarr, and that's going to be a challenge. I get that. I understand that. But raise the bar is my point here, right? Like, don't just settle. Well, how about this, though? Can you
0: get away with, you know, a combination of Wu, Juleson, and perhaps McWard to sort of fill in on that spot to save those dollars and not give them to Ethan
1: Baer. Well, Noah Juleson needs a contract. And I know Dolly Walls reported that there really hasn't been a whole lot of traction there. Again, we're getting to the final month the contracts expire on the final day of June. So, you know, do they have legitimate interest in Noah Juleson? I thought he did everything they asked of him at a pretty attractive price. And, you know, a former first rounder, look, it took a while, but some guys develop at different speeds and he didn't look out of place i didn't think when uh, he was called into the lineup and you know fairly physical in terms of you know lining guys up and some open ice hits and and that kind of stuff um i would think cole mccord needs a season in the american hockey right like he signed he got his games in got his goal but i don't in my mind i don't consider him I remember saying after I watched that game in Abbotsford and, and it was one game and I recognize that. So I don't want to oversell it, but I thought Philip Johansson looked like a guy that needed more time on North American ice and more development. Like I didn't see him as a ready-made NHLer. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious where he falls in all of this, but I think you got Kronik. You're going to start the season with Tyler Myers. You know, if they can get a deal done with Ethan Bear that makes sense, then they probably do. But ultimately, you know, okay, so horonic should make their defense better. Okay. He paid the price. But you don't
0: want to put him with Hughes. Like, you don't want to put all your eggs in
1: one basket. No, what? but I want to make sure that I say here they're not just running back with the same defense core. They, you know, they had their toy. They only saw him for four games, but they paid the price, and, you know, the hope is he's fully healthy, and I think he will be for the start of the season. He's going to play a lot. He's going to play 20 to 25 minutes, and Hughes is going to play 25 to 30 minutes, so you know, there's two big minute munchers on defense. I do think that Philip horonic is an upgrade on anything that they've had on that right side in a while again not sure that the timing of the trade and the price they paid and all that but he's here now he's theirs and they're going to use him. so i do think he makes the defense better it's then how does the dust settle sort of behind him but you know it's a little bit different in that yeah you're not loading up with hughes and and heronic is a top pair you're going to have hughes as the top guy on the left side. Heronik's your top right guy, but he's probably on the second pair just because you want to, you know, spread whatever depth you've got there. So that's where I come back to, like, is Ethan Baer the best guy to start the season with Queen Hughes? And maybe he is. But then that leaves you with Tyler Myers as a $6 million, you know, third pairing guy. That's not ideal on the cap. Is Myers here for the long haul? Can they move him early in the season can Is he you know a trade chip at the at the deadline? uh he's a gold medal world champion remember <laughs> that so yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be sorted out here, but I don't think to your point, like you know could one of Juson or jet Wu uh you know could they start as an eighth defenseman on the opening night roster because of their salary cap, yeah. I guess that's possible. Again, I I think if Juleson's in the fold, he's ahead of Wu. And I think Jet Wu would just have to continue to develop in Abbotsford. And if the call came and we saw last year, it came and it came in waves where they had to bring up Breezebois and Willan. And you know, there were a lot of guys that got their opportunity ultimately. Yeah, I could see Jet Wu getting that chance, but I don't think Jet Wu makes this team out of training camp.
0: What about Hiroshi? Where does he fit into this whole thing here? As I'm just sort of going through the defense like we liked what we saw from him of course he's left side guy so maybe a little bit different than the conversation we're having right now but you know where does he fit into this whole mix plus he needs a contract
1: Yeah. and where is oel in all of this like again the, there's sort of this hope and best case scenario is that he trains his ass off and and comes back and looks like some semblance of former oel but you know, that's kind of the best case. I think he slots in on the second pair and then it's sort of open auditions. You know, Rathbone's a bit of a forgotten man here, right? Yeah, but he's still here and under contract, but I was yeah. on a one way too. Oh no. His one way kicks in next year. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you're looking at one of those guys and, but Christian will like, did he play his way into full-time work again? You just wish that yeah. there was a more of a separator, uh, because when I look at all these contributions, like, can Philip Hironic generate some offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting that he will. But, you know, Akito Hirose, I, I, I the sample's too small. Like, I just don't know. Ultimately, you know, he was a pretty headsy guy, made right plays, made them look pretty simple. Uh, you know, but I, I don't know what he ultimately projects as full-time over the course of a full NHL season. And as good as his audition was, like, Christian Wolanin's been at this for a while. Like, you know, he's played the equivalent of a full NHL season and then some and was the AHL defenseman of the year. Like, can Ak- Akita Hiroshi come in and be slotted ahead of Christian Wolanin? Does Willannon deserve the opportunity? Has he earned that opportunity to be a full-time guy next season? And again, an, an attractive price point, that figures into it. Like, don't discount yeah. that based on where they are so lots of moving parts i don't think we have the answers and and then the question is you know what is what's over Rick talking's wish list right like he knows all of these pieces that we've talked about but is he banging the table saying like you better carve out some cap space and go and find me you know something better than we've already got here and i is that even a possibility i think Those sorts of things will come into focus a little bit more, but the other shoes have to drop. And that is clear that cap space, get that, finally pull the trigger on the trade. We spent an entire pod running through the the various ways it can happen. They all sort of lead to the same pain point, but maybe you take that poison pill and pull the trigger, make this deal that we've been talking about forever to finally, you know, clear up a little bit of cap space so that you have some flexibility because, Again, and I can hear people screaming like, well, they're going to have Pearson on LTIR and Tucker Pullman's probably done as a player. But Ethan Bear is essentially going to eat up whatever LTIR relief you get from Tucker Pullman. Like those contracts are going to overlap. So then it's essentially, yeah, you get to apply Tanner Pearson's contract, that doesn't create an it's awful lot. lot of space yeah. there. Yeah. So they, they, they still, like I think my article today stands, they still have to make things happen. And they've got to capitalize on this environment that I feel is going to be ripe for some deals to go down.
0: Yeah, and if you haven't checked out Jeff's work on the uh, Hockey News, uh, be sure to do that as well. Some really good stuff up there and going to be heading into the offseason as well. You want to puke in your mouth for a moment, though?
1: No, sure. Who doesn't?
0: The Canucks are spending 26285000 on five defensemen right now.
1: Yeah, that's not great allocation. <laughs> We've been two of them that are per- top
0: four guys. Two of them are legit top more, four guys. I don't know if you can say that about OEL anymore. You want him to be a top four guy, but two of them are for sure in Quinn Hughes and Philip Aaronic. OEL Myers, you know, you can debate that all you want right now to me on a really good team. They're not in your top four there's a very good chance that Tyler Myers is going to get moved. And of course, it's just going to be a little bit of patience. We've broken that all down in terms of that, that bonus money. So, you know, there is a very good chance, but that's a long ways away. And at that point, you've kind of got your roster constructed. So unless you have that deal in your back pocket and know it's going to happen then, like for sure, for sure, your hands are a little bit tied when it comes to tyler myers and and i know we've broken that down
1: yeah in my mind bracing for him to be here to start yeah, the me season too. Yeah, and then because, i think because yeah. work is going to be done by the time just, that bonus you've is, you've got to start referring out. to him as world champion tyler myers yeah, though so that the rest of the hockey Sorry. world latches yes. on yes and then <laughs> you know could he be some sort of i don't even want to use the word trade chip but the deadline as a rental you know expiring contract teams that need defensive depth and that kind of like i wonder if he's here up until the trade deadline or close to it for the vancouver canucks even after they get like i once they sign you know, pay out the signing bonus like i don't think all of a sudden these magical trade doors open although maybe i'm misreading that like there are teams that are going to need to get to the salary cap floor and that contract would help so maybe if the signing bonus is paid out on september 15th like that's training camp teams have sort of assembled their rosters i we don't generally see trades of significance happen in September. Like we just don't that, you know, teams usually want to start by that
0: point. Yeah. 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 So, you know, NHL GMs like August do not call me. (laughs) (laughs) Phone is off. Like work is done. And by the way, yeah, we can just, we'll get rid of Tyler altogether. We'll just call him gold medal Myers. There you go.
1: Applewood auto group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: Hey, we told you about this on the pod yesterday, but uh, we're giving away four $50 gift certificates to Best Buy Canada. Here's what you gotta do. Head over to Twitter, at RinkWideVan. You gotta like and retweet the post. You'll see it. It's Pinned right to the top of our profile. You got to follow Best Buy Canada, and if you're not following us already, I mean, come on, folks, follow us at Rinkwide Van as well. We're going to announce the winner. What is today? Wednesday. When? We'll do yeah. one. Uh, we'll do one on Friday. Okay, and then uh, we'll spread it out throughout the week. But yes, go over to uh, Twitter. Do everything you need to do, and then hopefully you'll be taking
1: home fifty dollars. At Best Buy now. Uh, we, just before we move on, mm. let's make it abundantly clear here that these are gift cards and not gift certificates. You're like, how old are you? Like nobody operates in a gift certificate world anymore. They're gift cards.
0: Oh my God, semantics here. Yes, okay. It's fifty dollars to Best Buy, regardless of what you want to call it. It is. Right? Are you
1: walk into the store with a big paper document that you printed out. No, you slap it down, scan it. It's a gift card. Gift card. We'll, we'll fax it to you, folks. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. Gift card. There you go. All right. We asked the people, uh, what is on your to-do list from the Canucks leading up to the NHL draft? Got some really good responses because we got really good listeners, really smart listeners. And we'll start with Andy, who gave us three points here. Move at least one, Besser, Garland, Myers, without paying a top 50 pick or top five prospect as a sweetener. Okay. Uh, To address the 3C via trade or clear enough room, and he says $3.5 to $4 million in cap space to sign that 3C on July 1st. And then lastly, Andy says, make a determination on who will wear the C next season. I think we uh, touched on all those points uh, in the past as well. Don't know about the, without paying a top 50 or top five, oh, prospect, sorry, I read that wrong as a sweetener. (sighs) Nils Hoglander would be a top five prospect for them. I think if you you know can move off of Nils Hoaglander to uh, perhaps you know free up a, a, a contract, like add something to him as well, I think you do it. Like if it's like a Besser and and Hoaglander going to Chicago, like people have have talked about, or perhaps Garland or maybe even Myers, although I don't think that's gonna happen with Myers. But I, I think you're I think you better be prepared. To get rid of that top five prospect.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I point out in my article, like, I don't care whether it's the sweetener, whether it's retaining money, whether it's, uh, you know, trading down in the draft to try to accrue draft capital, whatever. There are options there. It's just, it feels like it's time. I uh, appreciate the response. I'm not sure that, you know, ultimately settling on the captaincy is a month of June sort of. I'm sure Rick tockett has got his ideas, but to me, that feels like get through the draft, get through free agency, mm-hmm. sort of settle on your roster. And I, that one to me is before day one of training camp. But again, that'll come before too long as well. But, you know, that's a little bit lower down on on my priority list here.
0: Yeah, that makes sense as well. No need to rush into that right now. Plus, you got to know exactly who's going to be on your roster. Maybe a guy
1: that you have consideration to be a captain. You now, in saying all that, and it is a point I do make in the article, the month of June also is the Canucks putting all of those ducks in a row. And there are a lot of ducks to be put in this row in terms of finalizing the pitch that you're going to make to Elias Pedersen about a long-term commitment to the organization And if that includes the captaincy, then maybe that does bump it up on the priority list. That's the one way, I guess, that I could see the captaincy being part of, you know, their to-do list here ahead of the draft.
0: I can't tell if this is a parody account or not, but it's Juice Menko with hashtag Bring Back Benning says, trade into the top five. Get four NHL defensemen to put behind Hughes Hironic. Get a solid second-line center and a third-line center so Miller can go back to the top line. Get rid of Garland, OEL, Myers, Pearson, Pullman. Extend Pedersen 8 by 10 Boy, that's a wish list right there. And again, uh, I think that might be tongue-in-cheek, but perhaps, you know, maybe they think they can pull that off. I don't know. Uh, Colton says clear cap space. Get a cheap 3C draft. A top-nine center and draft two top four D. I mean, boy, like that's going to be tough. Draft a future top nine center. Okay, that one could be a draft two top four D with the picks that the Canucks have. I don't know about that one.
1: Yeah, and again, that maybe they do free up some additional draft capital if they trade back from, you know, 11. But a draft where you get two top four D. Like, no, that's, I, that's a hell of a draft. Especially if you're dropping down to, yeah. you know, at 11, I think absolutely you could find the center, uh, you know, for the future or a center for the future, but they don't have a second rounder as it stands right now. So um, unless they trade down, but then you're picking 19th, that's going to be make it more difficult to find that sort of impact guy. Uh, but maybe by doing that, you do pick up an additional pick somewhere along the draft. Corey says, cancel my game pack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, though, Corey. Don't do it just yet. You might like what they do in the offseason here. Perhaps they surprise you. Jordan it gives us a more rational sort of uh, breakdown here. It says, trade Myers, post bonus, trade Bovillier, trade Miller, trade Demko. Open up, and he puts this in all caps, open up some actual
1: cap space. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I had a guy yesterday, and I should have made note of the name, because he, he was... Yeah, I mean, he had some salient points here. He really believes that Anthony Beauvillier might be their biggest chip because he only has one year left on his contract where, you know, a lot of these teams that need to get to the, the cap floor, they don't want the commitment, right? Like right now, they just want to operate sort of in a year-by-year vacuum, and I can't tell him he's wrong in that regard again. He makes just over four, so it's not as much of a savings for the Canucks as Garland or Besser, who both make more and have more term. But there is something to be said about teams looking to take on guys on, you know, just one-year commitment. So I I can't discount that entirely. I still think the preference from the Canucks standpoint would be to move off one of those contracts that we've talked about ad nauseum. But that's going to come at a price. Yeah, no trade protection for Beauvilliers as well. So uh, let's end
0: this one with Bruce, who says, uh, three points, try to limit embarrassing scandals, unnecessary drama to one to two (laughs) incidents at most. I like that. Uh, Two, create cap space without pouring more gasoline on the franchise, C.1, he says. And three, don't trade for players you can't afford to sign. Bruce, uh, you want to put your resume in for, uh, you know, perhaps working in the Canucks front office? Because... Those are from decent points there and some stuff that people actually didn't get to. He's right about the scandals and unnecessary drama. Like we've had enough of that here in Vancouver. Like let's, let's please just move on. I feel like the head coach is in place now. I feel like the management team is in place now. I feel like the owner perhaps has taken his hand off the wheel a little bit. Let's just, let's just get rid of all the drama and let's see what this hockey team can do.
1: And kids seventeen and under can get in for fifteen. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bow Dog Home for casino games and sports odds, where everyone goes to play. You sent me an interesting little clipping here. Um, I don't. Where did you pull? Oh, you pulled this out of LeBron's column on uh, the Athletic. And JP Barry, of course, who is uh, Leos Patterson's. Uh, agent talking about the negotiations in the summer. And here's the quote from Barry. I think we're going to watch the market for RFA players who are already out there a little bit this summer, but I think in the talks that we've had with the Canucks, they want to get together sometime this summer, early fall, at least in the next few months to try and talk about the future. We stayed in contact. Elias is thinking about it. I think it's going to happen. We're going to sit down this summer. We're going to talk about staying there long-term. That is the plan
1: right now. Cause for concern? No, not cause for concern. But I think J.P. Barry is being honest when he answers that question. And there's a couple of things, because I think there are a lot of people in this market that still think like July 1st, when the rest of the hockey world is focusing on unrestricted free agents, that the Canucks are going to have this press release ready to hit send on that they have locked up Elias Pedersen. And right there, J.P. Barry says late in the summer, maybe early fall. Uh, So just keep that in. That's his timeline. Uh, So I thought that part was very interesting. And then that last line where he says, you know, that's the plan. Uh, and, of course, the plan is great until the plan goes sideways. So, uh, you know, throughout this, I've always said, Leas Petterson, pretty shrewd operator. He's seen Matthew Kachuk control his future. If he doesn't like the way things are going here in Vancouver, uh, I could see him say enough. Like, I've given you all these good, five good years of service, uh, you know, but you haven't held up your hand to the bargain by surrounding me with uh, enough quality that I want to go elsewhere. I don't think we're there yet, but I, I could envision a day where Leas Petterson and not just Leas Petterson. I think lots of young players, um, you know, force the issue, decide that you've got a limited career, uh, you know, you gave it your all, it didn't work, and now it's time to move somewhere else. And Matthew Kajak is making a pretty compelling argument that, uh, you know, finding the right landing spot, things can happen in a hurry. And so, again, I, I'm not losing sleep over Elias Pettersson forcing the issue at all. I think he likes Vancouver. I think he wants to see it through what he started here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, when you read those quotes, you know, J.P. Perry is basically being pretty honest that just, you know, this is going to take some time and that they're going to read the market and see what. Again, Elias Pettersson is under contract for next year, so this can drag into next year, but jp barry is saying like we're gonna see what some rfi rfas are able to fetch on the market what does the market look like this year how does that impact things so i think from the player and his agent side they want to sit back and kind of let some things settle in the early going in contract talks elsewhere on the nhl you know probably a wise play on their part so again if you're in that camp that thought that something was going to get done right away i would from that i would take that uh you know, this thing is going to take a little longer than maybe some people had anticipated.
0: When Pedersen was quoted of saying, you know, wanting to be on a team that was, you know, contending and, you know, in the playoffs, you know, year after year, like nothing's really telling him right now that they're there. Now, of course, that can change in the next couple of months, see what this management team can do. But if you're Elias Pedersen, like, I think you slow roll this because like you've got to prove to me that you guys can turn this around. And he's not dumb. Like, this camp's not dumb as well. And they see that time is ticking on his career, right? And he's going to have many years left in him. But, you know, at some point, like, losing takes its toll on you. And you want to get the hell out of there. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I I think this is going to be a slow roll. And anyone that thought, you know, perhaps that that a deal was going to get done here uh, by July 1st, I, I just don't see it right now. You know, unless they have this June that, you know, we talked about and some of the people texted in with some of their ideas and, you know, per- perhaps some of them are a little outlandish, but we'll see exactly if, uh, you know, Elias Patterson believes that this team is taking the next step because eight years, I don't know. If I'm Elias Patterson right now, I'm I'm hesitant to sign anything that is over, I mean, maybe even five, J-Pat, J-
1: like, I-, I don't know, like, I... Well- when you reference the quotes of him, you know wanting to be on a contender, you're you know like that was a couple of years ago. Uh, there's been a management change since then, but he's on his third head coach since then as well. Like there's been a lot of turmoil and and change, and I'm sure he's kind of sick of all that. Uh, I do worry though if it drags on. Uh, by his own admission, the last contract kind of weighed on him. You know the Canucks don't want that. I don't. I'm sure he doesn't want that as well. So that's why I say I don't think there's going to be a rush in the summer. But summer is July, it's August, it's part of September as well. Uh, I think there is time for both sides to sort of see the landscape and at some point come together. I just don't think it's going to happen early in free agency, but I never really did. But I do think there are some people out there that kind of felt that, you know, that's priority number one for the Canucks and everything else be damned. Get that done in the first couple of days of free agency. You know, you can't sign an extension until July 1st, but from those quotes... Uh, it doesn't sound like that was really ever anything that was going to happen anyhow. When are we going to do our Stanley
0: Cup predictions? Do you want to save that for Friday, tomorrow, yeah, okay. perhaps Friday? No, yeah. series doesn't yeah.
1: start till Saturday. We've got some time here, so yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, we'll do that uh, then uh, when we lead into the weekend here. But uh, Bodog's got some odds up for Stanley Cup in 2024, j <laughs> The Vancouver Canucks at plus 5,500. The worst odds are, well, they're tied. It's Anaheim, Arizona, Montreal, and San Jose at plus 25,000. But the Canucks coming in at plus 5,500. So, I mean, shoot, put a dollar down on that. Make yourself a little bit of money there if you think that the Canucks perhaps could do it, or perhaps you think, hey, man, I don't want to waste a dollar. (laughs) Like, what are we doing here? So there you go. Head over to Bulldog. And uh, yeah, the odds for the Stanley Cup haven't changed as well. I was wondering maybe if the money had come in to sort of tilt those odds a little bit but it's still at minus 130 uh, for VGK with Florida at plus 110. And of course, the playoffs still rolling on here with the Stanley Cup final about to go down. And our playoff coverage is presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage.
1: Yeah, the playoffs have taken a little bit of a break, but uh, people are in the housing market. Uh, There's no break there. It's competitive. Uh, And if you are going to do this right, Make sure that you got help on your side. So uh, reach out to Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. He's been in the mortgage game for close to 30 years now. You want that experience on your side. And uh, he's among the best in the biz, and uh, he's been saving rink-wide listeners money all season. Wants to help you uh, save some cash as well. So, again, uh, make sure that uh, everything's buttoned down, but don't go it alone. Uh, you know, enlist the help of a professional, somebody that knows the ins and outs of the mortgage game, whether you're a first-time buyer or if your mortgage is up for renewal. uh, Either way, Jason Hominick can help you. So, again, it starts with a phone call. His contact info is at his easy-to-remember website, jason.mortgage. Hey, uh,
0: a little bit of a rant here before we uh, finish things off. It's the Stanley Cup final, people. It's not plural. It's the Stanley Cup final. There's just one of them. The NBA, I don't know what the hell, why they do it, the NBA finals. I get it when it's the conference finals because there's there's two different conferences, but it's just one. So I, 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 perhaps I said the same rant on Wide last year, and perhaps I will do it again the year after that. But I, it drives me absolutely crazy. No, it's like when, when people call it the World Hockey Championships, it's like, no, there's only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Stanley Cup final, folks. So there you go. Rant over and also podcast over because this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Wide is the show. But always good. Cool.